0: so good to connect with all of you today. And uh, my name is Ricky. If you're new to our church, I'm honored to be one of the pastors here at Fort Caroline Baptist Church. And we are thrilled to have you with us, whether you're uh, in person or connecting with us online, we welcome you. In fact, if you are connecting with us online, uh, comment and let us know where you're watching from. And, uh, and if there's any way that we can help you or pray for you or uh, just be a part of your spiritual journey, we would consider that a great privilege Let me encourage you to come back next week and connect with us next Sunday because we're gonna celebrate what God did through you in this community as you unleashed generosity in very tangible and practical ways. You helped boys and girls uh, in a children's home. You fed hungry people. Uh, You helped rescue women from human trafficking, and you did so much more. And we're going to tell you more about that next week and celebrate your generosity in this community. So I hope you'll check back in with us next Sunday. But today, before we move into the Christmas season, I wanted to finish out the month of November by talking to you today about the secret, learning to live a life of contentment. I wonder how you would answer the question, Are you happy? Or maybe, What would it take to make you happy? Because I think most of us would say, You know, I'm relatively happy, but there are always areas of my life that I could be happier. Maybe for you, the answer to the question, what would it take to make you happy would be the word more. You know, if I had more money, I'd be happy. If I had more friends, I would be happy. If I had more things and more possessions, I would be happy. If I had more popularity or more affection or more relationships or more sex or whatever it is, more. As a matter of fact, advertising, tells us that happiness can be bought, it can be worn, it can be driven, it can be lived in. Money, they say, can buy happiness. Of course, there's no coincidence that for 55 years now, the Rolling Stones have reminded us, I can't get no satisfaction. Because it seems like no matter how much more you get, you always want a little more, right? And More is not always the answer to happiness. Or or maybe for you, the answer would be not more, but different. I would be happy if I had different circumstances. I'd be happier if I had a different spouse. Don't nudge anyone right now, but I would be happier if I had a different home or a different car or a different job or a different whatever. And we start thinking that we would be happy if we had something different than what we have we're talking about our circumstances then we want different circumstances the word circumstances is related to the word circumference a circumference is where you draw a big circle around your life and anything that happens inside of that circle are your circumstances and life teaches us quickly that what most of what happens in your circumference is outside of your control. But discontentment says, if my circumstances were different, I would be content. But is that true? Because I think we all know that is a myth that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's not always true that if you had different circumstances, you would magically become content with the things of this world. We struggle rather with discontentment. No matter what more we get or no matter the different circumstances we find ourselves in, it just seems like it's never enough to truly satisfy, to truly make us happy. And that's the definition of the word contentment. Uh, The dictionary says contentment is a state of happiness or satisfaction. And if that's the case, then no one can ever truly be content. No one can ever be perfectly content because there's never going to be a time in your life that you can be completely happy or completely satisfied with the circumstances of your life. There's always going to be something you wish was different or something you wish you could improve. So is contentment this myth that we chase after but we can never attain? It is unless you know the secret to contentment. And there is the secret to contentment that we want to talk about today, that if you will learn this and if you will apply this in your own personal life, you will discover a contentment that this world cannot give you and this world cannot take away from you. And I want to say uh, up front that if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, we all struggle with the desire to be content in life. But there is a level of contentment that is only possessed by those who know Christ as their Savior. It's available to everyone, this contentment that we're going to talk about today. But it's only possible when you put your confidence in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I just want to go ahead and be upfront with you. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this world cannot satisfy the longings of your soul. Only Jesus Christ can. And I'm gonna encourage you today to put your confidence in him as your personal Lord and Savior of your life. And if you've already done that, then today let's remember the secret of contentment. Now, where can we find this secret that will help us learn how to be content? Well, we need to take a trip back to the first century, somewhere around the year AD 62, and we need to go into a prison I know a prison is the last place that you would ever visit to find a contented person, but it is actually in a prison in the city of Rome where we will find the person who learned the secret of contentment and who shared that secret with us. His name was Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul. He was one of those early followers of Jesus. Having been someone who did not believe in Jesus, Early in his life, in fact, he hated people who said Jesus was the Messiah of God in Israel. And he persecuted Christians and killed Christians. He nonetheless had a a personal encounter with the living, resurrected Jesus. And it changed his life. And he spent the rest of his days telling as many people as he could about Jesus, calling them to turn from their sin, put their confidence in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, and worship him as Lord and Savior. And because of his preaching of the gospel of Jesus, he ended up in jail many times. And on one occasion, he's in a Roman prison cell, chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. And all he had time to do was to pray, worship, and also dictate some letters that we still have some copies of in our New Testament. And the letter that I want to take you to today that he wrote, we call the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is really just a letter written by Paul to Christians in the city of Philippi in Macedonia of the first century in northern Greece. He had founded this church. He had led some people in that city to faith in Jesus. And now he's writing back to them because he wants to thank them for how they've cared for him during his imprisonment. They have sent him correspondence. They have sent him money while he's in prison to sustain him. And they even sent him one of their own church members named Epaphroditus to go to Rome and to attend to Paul's physical needs while he was in prison. And Paul is writing this letter back basically as a thank you note to say, thank you for what you've done for me. And in the middle of this thank you note, he gives them the secret to his contentment. Philippians chapter four, I'm going to begin with verse 10. Philippians chapter four, verse 10. Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. There it is. He says to them, I want to thank you for what you've done for me. I want to thank you that after a great period of time and great effort on your part, you have revived your concern for me. And then he clarifies, I know you were always concerned for me because you kept up with my ministry and my travels. You, you heard about my trials and now you've heard about my imprisonment. But once you had an opportunity to send money to help me survive in prison and you, send, you sent Epaphroditus to care for me in prison, I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for reviving your concern for me when you had that opportunity. And then he says, but I don't want you to think I'm complaining that you didn't do it sooner. Whether or not you were able to send the money or whether or not you were able to send Epaphroditus to help me, it's okay because I've learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. He says, I figured it out. I've learned it. But notice when he says, I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. Contentment is possible for us, but it's not natural to us. Contentment has to be learned. Paul says, contentment is possible for me and for you, but it's not natural for me and it's not natural for you to be content. If we're going to be content, we're going to have to learn it. And Paul says, I've learned it. Paul says, I didn't wake up one fine morning to discover that contentment had flown into my life like a beautiful dove. No, contentment is a lesson I have learned through every type of situation in my life. I've learned contentment through the ups and the downs of life, through the good times and through the bad times. Where did you learn this contentment, this state of happiness and satisfaction, Paul, He says, I learned it in the University of Hard Knocks. I learned it in the laboratory of life. I learned it in the school of every situation. I've learned no matter what I'm facing to be content. As a matter of fact, it may be that one of the primary reasons God allows us to go through difficult circumstances is in order to teach us a lesson about contentment and satisfaction that we would never have learned otherwise now contentment i don't want you to misunderstand what contentment is and is not contentment is not laziness paul's not saying i've given up i don't care anymore I'm not going to work hard anymore contentment is not going to someone's house walking into the basement and seeing the 28-year-old son in his pajamas in the middle of the day playing video games, you don't look at him and say, isn't he content? No, he's lazy. He's not content. He's just lazy. That's not the kind of contentment that Paul talks about because even in prison, he's always thinking about the next opportunity he can have to live for Jesus, to preach another sermon, to write another letter, to share the gospel with another sinner, to go on another missionary journey. He's, he's always wanting more. But even there, he's content with whatever situation he is currently in. So contentment is not laziness. Contentment is not the opposite of ambition. Ambition is good in its proper place. A lot of great things have happened because people had a discontent with the way things were and they wanted to make things better and they worked hard and they found a solution or they found a cure. That's ambition. Aren't you grateful they weren't content with the status quo? No, what he's saying is that contentment is the ability to not lose your hope or your joy or your confidence or your stability in no matter what kind of situation that you're in. And it means to be able to face whatever situation you find yourself in. I was struggling to find a way to to define the word contentment or content as Paul uses it. And I think the best way to ever figure out what what a word in the Bible means is to see how that same word is used in other places in the Bible. And there's another place in the New Testament where Paul used the same word, content. And it was translated a little differently in our English translation. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's, he's talking about a love offering that they're giving to help feed the hungry people during a time of famine back in Jerusalem. And, and he's encouraging them to give generously. And so he writes, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, here it is, so that having all sufficiency... It's the same word translated in the Greek that we have as content. Having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The word content means to have all sufficiency. It means to have everything you need. Contentment is the certainty that you have all you need to face your circumstances. That no matter if my circumstances are good, I've got everything I need to live for God and to glorify God in this moment. And if my circumstances are bad or painful or fearful, even then I have everything I need to live for God and to be in the center of God's will and to glorify Christ in even that circumstance. That's the picture of contentment, all sufficiency. Everything I need. I can tell you some of the times in my life when I got most discontent is when I felt I didn't have what I needed to face whatever I was facing. Have you been there? If the car breaks down and I pop the hood, I just look at it. I, I might as well be looking at someone doing brain surgery for all I know. I don't, I don't know enough to fix a car to save my life. Now, I could do the basics. I've changed oil, changed spark plugs, changed air filter, but when it gets beyond that, I call my wife. I ask her to come and fix the car. She's the smart one in our family. I remember the feeling of discontentment when I would sit there in school looking at an algebraic equation, knowing I don't have all sufficiency. This is the devil's math, numbers and letters put together. God could not be in that. That just seems unnatural. I felt very discontent in my first semester of Greek. And I remember struggling so much because I did not feel that I had the sufficiency I needed to learn the paradigms and to memorize the paradigms. And I sent an email late one night to my professor And I said, you might as well flock me out of this class now. And he he sent me an email back. Son, just keep doing your work. Keep doing the best you can. But whenever you feel that you have what you need, then you can sense contentment. When my kids come to me and they ask about algebra, I tell them to go speak to their mom. When their kids come to me and they want to know about English grammar, I feel content. Now I can help you. You want to learn about literature? I can help you. You want to talk about history? I can help you. There's a sense of contentment there because I have what I need. And I don't know what circumstances you're in. I don't know what situation you're facing. I don't know what pleasure or or pain. I, I don't know what opportunity or obstacle that you're facing. But I can tell you whatever it is through Christ, you have what you need to face this moment, to face this circumstance. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Let's go back to what Paul writes. Philippians 4, verse 12. Paul illustrates what he means by contentment and all sufficiency. He writes, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. Paul says, no matter what the circumstance I find myself in, I have learned the secret of contentment, that that whether I am brought low and I have almost nothing, or if I abound in everything I think I need, in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty I've got more than I know what to do with. All of my needs are met. And I've learned the secret of being content in times of hunger when I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I know what it's like to have an abundance of possessions and I know what it is to be destitute, desperately needing someone else to come and help me. So regardless of my situation, I've learned the secret of being content. And I think some of you in this room could say, I know what it's like to be on the ups and downs of life. I know what it's like to have a good job and I know what it's like to be unemployed. I know what it's like to have health care and I know what it's like to lose that health care and to be concerned for my own health or my family. I know what it's like to be married and I know what it's like to have gone through a painful divorce. Some of you say, I know what it's like to be young and healthy and strong. And now I know what it's like to be older and sick and weak. I know what it's like to be popular and have a lot of friends. And some of you could say, I know what it's like to watch the people I've always loved walk out on me or turn their back on me. I know what it's like to have everything going well in my life. And then I know what it's like to be brought low at the sudden death of a loved one. I know what it's like. And the secret of contentment, Paul says, is not self-sufficiency. The secret of contentment is Christ-sufficiency. That no matter what happens in your life, no matter what changes in your life, you need someone who is always there. And someone who can supply everything you need to face whatever you're dealing with. That's why Paul wrote that famous verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And while the him is not spelled out in the original Greek, you know who he's referring to. Paul's not saying, I can do all things through him, this other prisoner over here in the Roman prison cell with me. I can do all things through him. No, he's not saying that. He's not saying, I can do all things through him, Epaphroditus, whom you sent to me from Philippi. No, he's referring to none other than Jesus Christ, his Lord and Savior. That's why some of our English translations clarify it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the Christ of Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This is the Christ of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Be content with whatever you have because he has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the Christ of Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He said to his disciples, I will always be with you even to the end of the age. He's the hymn that Paul is writing about. I can do all things through Christ Christ who strengthens me. I've got all sufficiency for all situations because my strength is not mine. It comes from another. It comes from Jesus Christ. And I'm not looking for my outward circumstances to change in order to give me contentment. I'm looking for my inner circumstances to remain the same in Christ. That's what gives me contentment. Contentment comes from knowing that Christ is enough for me, no matter what life does to me. Contentment is knowing that Christ is enough for me, no matter what life does to me. I've seen this kind of contentment over my years of ministry. I've seen it with people who are doing well in life, and yet their faith in Christ is gave them a contentment that even their wealth couldn't give them. And they never forgot who they were. And they never allowed the things of this world to make them egotistical. A dear friend of mine is a multi-millionaire. He was one of the founders of a company that if I named it, everyone in this room would say, I know that company. And yet when you meet him, you would never know. You'd never know he's a Harvard Law graduate. You'd never know that he's a multimillionaire. You know what you'd know about him if you hung out with my friend? You'd say, man, this guy loves Jesus. Man, this guy loves missionaries and wants to take the gospel around the world. This guy's passionate about Christ because what he discovered is if you live by the stock market, the stock market giveth and the stock market taketh away. But Christ is always there. And can give you all sufficiency to live for God even if you're blessed with wealth. Whereas so many people, they walk away from God when they have more of the things of this world. They forget God. They don't depend on God. They become prideful and arrogant. But this guy, my friend, has learned contentment. And then I think of the other extreme. I remember going to the Lake City Veterans Hospital many years ago to visit Pastor Dayton Cannon. Dayton founded the Gateway Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. It was the second church I was ever honored to serve as pastor. And at that point, Dayton was an old man coming to the end of his life. I was there with him when his wife died of cancer, performed her funeral. I was there with him when he was diagnosed with cancer, sat with him through chemotherapy and radiation treatments. And I made a visit to see Dayton when he was at the hospital in Lake City, some of his last days. And I walked in that room thinking, you know, it's my job as his pastor now to come and encourage him. And I walked in the door and this poor man, just frail, weak, and emaciated, just skin and bones. And before I could say a word, he looked at me and said, Oh, my dear pastor, thank you for coming to visit me. I want you to sit down and tell me every person who needs prayer in our church, because God's given me a lot of time to just pray. He didn't complain. He wasn't broken. He was content. And he sat there and he prayed for every person I mentioned to him who was going through some kind of difficulty because he realized that contentment is knowing that Christ is enough for me, no matter what life does to me. And maybe that's the reminder that we need today. Discontentment is fueled by us wanting what we don't have. That's why we rack up credit card debt because we want what we don't have. That's why we swap relationships because we, we want what we don't have. That's why we can't be happy in this job that we said was our dream job because once we got it, we want what we don't have. It's why we church shop. It's because we don't want what we have. We want what we don't have. And on and on and on it goes. But maybe the secret to contentment is wanting what you have. And do you know what you have is really who you have? Who you have is Jesus Christ. Want Him. Desire Him. Let Him be your life's ambition. Treasure Christ above all things and above all people. And when you learn to treasure Christ above all things and above all people, you will learn the secret to contentment. That I no longer feel the pull of wanting what I don't have. I treasure who I have. And he never changes. He never leaves me. He never disappoints me. He never fails me. He never faces a point in my life when he says, sorry, I can't help you with that. No, he is all sufficient. And because of that, he can make you sufficient through his strength for what he has. By the way, whenever I went back to my Greek professor, one day after class, I just threw my book on his desk and I said, I give up I cannot figure this out to save my life. I've listened to your lectures. I've read the book. I've I've gone through the workbook. I've watched videos online, and I am just stuck. And you know what he said? He said, I was waiting on you to ask me. It's different to complain about not being sufficient. It's another thing to ask for help. And I was waiting on you to ask me. Help me, show me. He sat down and he helped me. Now can I tell you something? I passed that course with his help in the grace of God. And I think sometimes whatever we're facing, good times and bad times, Christ is there saying, "Ask me to help you. Let me strengthen you. Let me guide you." So today if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna encourage you to do something. I want you to do a couple of things. First of all, I want you to memorize Philippians chapter four, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe you need to write it down on a sheet of paper. Maybe you need to put it on your mirror so you'll see it on a regular basis. Maybe you need to review it every day this week. It's not a hard verse to memorize, but I can do all things through Christ. I can face any situation with contentment because it's Christ who gives me the strength. And I'm going to ask you to do a second thing. Not only memorize that verse, but I want you to get to know Jesus better. You need to treasure him more. My prayer is that we will start hungering more for him. More by reading his word. More by talking to him in prayer. What you're doing today, connecting with us, is a great step in the right direction of treasuring Christ. Because the more you get to know him, the more you know his sufficiency for you, and the more you realize what a resource he is for you, and you can come to him no matter what you're facing. And if we had time this morning, there are people that could go around and and give a word of their own personal experience, and they could say to you, when I felt like I could not go another step, it was Christ who gave me the strength. You need to get to know this Christ better. And then today, maybe for the first time in your life, you're... Not a follower of Jesus, but you want to be. And today you realize deep down in your heart, this is who I need. I need Jesus. I keep wanting circumstances to change. I keep wanting more, but I need Jesus. Dear friend, he welcomes you. Come, put your confidence in him. He's the one who stretched out his arms for you and he bled and he died to forgive you of your sin. And he was buried, but he rose from the dead on the third day, vindicated. He is the son of God. He has the power to do what he says he can do. He can forgive you of your sin. And he can come into your life right now and change you. But he's a gentleman. He never forces his way into anyone's life. If you don't want him, you won't have him. But if you want Jesus, he says, I'll come. In fact, he said in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You're that whoever that he's waiting on today to believe in him, to put your trust in him. In fact, if you'll do that today, I want you to let me know. Go to our website, fcbc.life, and on the Let's Connect card, there's a little checkbox you can put there where it says, today, I've committed my life to Christ. You say, well, if I do that, what are you going to do? Are you going to bombard me with spam? Are you going to show up at my front door? No, neither one of those are going to happen. First of all, I'm just going to be, woo I'm going to rejoice with you whenever I get that email from you that says, I've committed my life to Christ today. You will not know how excited that'll make me because it makes heaven happy, and whatever makes heaven happy makes me happy. And the next thing we want to do is just be available. If you need us to help you on that new spiritual journey, we're going to be here for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you and praise you for the secret of contentment when we learn that Christ is enough for me, no matter what life does to me. Good times or bad times, ups or downs, opportunities or obstacles, whatever situation I find myself in, I can be content because I know I have all sufficiency, not through me, but through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me the power to live for him and to trust him by faith in that situation. And Father, I pray that right now, in the stillness of this moment, that every follower of Jesus would fix their eyes on him and treasure him more than anything or anyone And I pray that we would live by faith in him. And God, if there's someone today that needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that right now, wherever they are, they would say to you silently in their heart, Dear God, that's right, friend, go ahead and pray. Talk to God where you are in your heart. Dear God, I admit to you, I am a sinner. I've not always loved you like I should. I've not lived for you like I should. But I thank you for loving me anyway. And I thank you that you've proven your love for me. By sending your son Jesus into the world on that first Christmas. And he lived a perfect life where I cannot and have not. And he, he died on a cross. To take the punishment for my sin. And he rose from the dead. And God there's a lot I don't understand. But this I do understand. I'm a sinner. And Jesus came to save sinners. So today I put my confidence. My trust. My faith. My belief. In him and him alone. And I take him at his word when he said, whoever believes in him should not perish and die and spend eternity separated from God in their sin, but they will have the gift of eternal life. A life that is right with you now and for eternity. And today I receive Jesus as my savior. Help me to learn more about him. Help me to treasure him and help me to depend on him by faith. Heavenly Father, have your perfect will and way in all of our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.